Welcome back, everyone, to the Xamarin Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest and greatest in mobile development for Xamarin developers, covering the world of Xamarin, .NET, Azure, and more. I'm Matt Sokup. And I'm James Montemagno. How you holding up, buddy? I'm doing pretty well. The last the last couple minutes of, of warm weather, of summer up here. And um, yeah, the leaves are changing already, James. I, I'm not sure what to think about that. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, that time of the year in the Pacific Northwest where all of a sudden it was a super lush green, you're out enjoying hiking, and then the next day you're warming up underneath a blanket. It's a, it's a, it's a pretty dramatic shift. Uh, so, and it comes fast, but that's okay. It's almost soup season. It's almost soup season. It's true. It is almost <laughs> the soup season. Maybe sit outside, maybe get like a heater for outside, you know, it's nice, warm, make some s'mores, maybe. Who knows? Now you're Who thinking. Knows? I do what I can, but you know, the wheels don't stop turning with Visual Studio releases. And in fact, specifically preview releases are my favorite types of releases because you can run them side by side, the normal releases, Matt. Did you know that? I've heard that once or twice before, and it's going to be non-destructive. Not that the preview release is going to be destructive, but you can still do it. That's true. I literally have two instances of Visual Studio open right now. I have normal and preview. And it's because I have the icons on my taskbar side by side. And sometimes I just accidentally click the other one. And that's okay because, you know, I get to test the new hotness. In fact, if you're a Xamarin developer, which probably many of our listeners are, there's some awesome new updates actually inside this puppy. Now, from reading the blog post, you wouldn't have known this. Um, but um, <laughs> I will tell you what's all in there. I think they didn't really want to promote it because it's hot bits coming in. But hot bits that are working great. Um, in this latest preview update, there are some awesome new XAML tooling features for UWP and WPF developers and Xamarin Forms developers, because now you are able to use XAML Hot Reload for Xamarin Forms with UWP. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. So it's pretty awesome because for a long time, you know, uh, basically because these two pipelines shared some similar components, but were a little bit different because they're different frameworks, different debuggers, all that stuff, right? It's pretty complex. The teams have been working together for a long time. And the whole goal is to release all the same tooling, all the same stuff at the same time. Now, inside of Visual Studio Preview um, 16.8 Preview 2, um, there's a new feature. When you go into Tools Options, into Xamarin, and then Hot Reload, you will see Reload Options changes only this is in preview this will soon be the default i think when this thing ships you have to turn that on and you do have to be using the latest xamarin forms 4.8 release that, that we talked about last month and you use those two in combination you can just have your uwp app hit a five and make changes instantly which is pretty fantastical um, and it all works. I demoed it. Um, there was a big um, user group conference um, in India that I just did. And I've been using it on my live streams at twitch.tv slash James Montemagno because I've been doing some UWP development with Xamarin Forms. And it all works great. And even more so, the live document tree works too. So when you're on a page, not only um, do you get hot reload for, for, for obviously iOS, Android, and Windows now, but the live visual tree comes up and what that means is that you can see on your page all of the elements in like a document outline, and you can tap on one and it'll jump to the XAML. So if you have really, really big XAML, it makes it easier to sort of see the, the visual hierarchy there, which is nice. Um, and it all works. And in fact, beyond that, 
There's also this brand new XAML binding diagnostic tool that you can turn on in the previews. And what that does is it enables during hot reload a little indicator inside of Visual Studio or with UWP inside the little the little notch adornment thing. And it'll tell, me, tell you if you've typed your bindings incorrect. So if you do, you know, um, binding hello, but you forget one of the L's, it'll tell you that hello is not, you know, is not bound correctly, where previously you'd have to dive through all of the, the logs to try to find it. And it just, boom, it's awesome. It just is all there. And it works on iOS, Android, and Windows, like all the tooling all working together, Matt. Like a happy little family. It's true. Yeah, that's very, very true. Yeah. That's what happens when all the teams work together. And in fact, the team, um, um, the PM, Dimitri, uh, was on the Xamarin community standup last week or a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, whenever, with Maddie and Craig and and Dave. And then he downloaded all the cool stuff. So definitely check that out. We'll put in the show notes. Cool. Yeah, there's another little feature in uh, 16.8 that I was reading about. haven't given it a try yet, but it's super cool. It's the parameter name hints. I think we can call those adornments as well. And all there is is you're passing in parameters to a function. It gives you a little hint there saying parameter one is going to be, let's say, alias. That's your parameter name. Well, parameter two is going to be, let's say, number of tries. You know, so it just puts it up there and it's just, you know, so you can kind of understand by glancing at it what the parameter names are for your function that you're calling. And just oh, a little cool. nicety. And um, yeah, you just turn that on too for it's in preview. Just have to turn it on. We'll link to the blog post that shows you how to do it. And um, yeah, just little little tooling tweaks that uh, make your life easier as you're developing apps. Yeah, that's super cool. In fact, yeah, I really like that because often, you know, there's optional parameters that you can sort of do. And when you do optional parameters, let's say you have five of them and you want to do the middle one, you can pass the parameter name, but you rare, I rarely do that. Maybe people do that all the time, but it's pretty rare for me just to be like, I only want to pass in one of the 18, you know, parameters. Uh, but this is nice because as you're filling them in, you, you forget what they are, but boom, it makes those names a lot more important. So it makes people think what those parameter names are. I like it. So yeah, definitely give that a download. Give it a try. Love it. Yep. All right. And uh, some other news that we have going on is, James, how excited are you about the new Surface Duo coming out? Already pre-ordered five. Did you? Nice. Are you going to give me one? Send one over to me? They're holiday gifts for everybody. Nice. Five people for holiday gifts. I have to get on your good list. All right. That's right. Anyways, (laughs) so the Surface Duo is coming out. Um, By the time this this podcast hits the street, I think the Duo might actually be out or not. I'll have to check. But anyways, it's coming out pretty quickly. And um, our old friend, former friend of the podcast, he switched teams and he's no longer our friend. Craig Dunn, uh, he's still (laughs) our friend. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Harsh. Harsh. (laughs) So Craig released a new learn module on developing apps using build dual screen apps with Xamarin forms using the two pane view. So mm-hmm. we have the, the two pane view is the Xamarin forms uh, layout and it lets you easily build apps on devices like the duo. And so now um, if I'll take a step back, what uh, Microsoft learn is uh, James and I have been talking about this a while. It's free and it's um, online learning, self-paced learning where we can go through step-by-step and you can learn how to use just about anything that we have in Microsoft, whether you want to learn C Sharp or various Azure services, we also have a full learn, learn path on Xamarin. And so this course 
building dual screen apps with Xamarin Forms using two-pane view is a part of this um, advanced Xamarin Forms learning path. So nice. yeah, it's pretty cool. Brand new. Learn the latest hotness. That way when James gifts you one of those new duels, you'll know how to build apps for it. There you go. Yeah. In fact, I'm going to go take this because I'm going to need to to learn how to do it. Um, even though I've, I've done it a little bit, but you know, I, I sometimes the two pane view gets a little confusing for me. So I'm definitely really like this. And if you've never done a learn module or learning path, a learning path is a bunch of modules to sort of guide you through learning stuff. Uh, and a lot of it's interactive. So if you are building a Xamarin and learning about building a Xamarin application, you it walks you through the steps of building it. And there's videos and there's tutorials there, as you go through it. Some of the other ones, though, allow you to even um, do the learn module inside the browser. So if you're learning C Sharp, uh, which is really cool, uh, you just execute all of your C Sharp code in the browser. You don't have to install anything, which is really neat. Um, there's the same for um, for some doing the stuff in Azure, like you can do it in your cloud shell. It's like all connected in the browser. It's really neat. Um, real excited about that. I've been working with that team recently. Hopefully next month we'll have some stuff to announce there coming for for uh, some .NET developers. I shared a link with with Matt earlier. So excited, excited it's about beautiful. it. But, uh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. So yeah, definitely give that. You, you can go to aka.ms slash learn dash Xamarin. That'll take you to all of, all of them. That's like a search. It basically just prefills. You know when people send you the, um, have you like, try to Google it with or whatever, and it just prefills, you know, and types it for you. That's mm-hmm. kind of what that that does because it just search for, searches for Xamarin. So that works. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. No. Oh, I just also wanted to mention, as you said, you can run like C Sharp in a browser. When you do the Azure, you don't need an Azure subscription. It's going to provision you out a like a sandbox environment that's good for mm-hmm. uh, like three hours or something like that. And so you're actually running Azure for free for a limited amount of time, but you the next day you can come back and provision new instance out as well. So oh, cool. yeah, pretty cool that you can actually run your Azure apps and learn Azure for no cost at all. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Super well, neat. There were a few great blog posts in the last month. Uh, a few of them I may have written, just saying. <laughs> but on um, the first one I wrote, uh, I got this question all the time uh, during, well, I've gotten it in the past, and then I got it again recently when I was updating a few apps on my live stream, which was, what is the best way to detect sort of the first run of your application? Your user installs your application for the first time, and you want to display, hey, welcome to this great, amazing app. Or maybe it's uh, they've upgraded from version one to version two. Hey, check out all these brand new features. But you know, you may not want to um, do that pop up if they've only installed 2.0 fresh. So I did a blog post on how to detect the app first run um, in, with Xamarin Essentials. And, and you can do it not only first run, but for specific versions and things like that. And I go in this blog post about sort of how I've done it in the past, which was I would normally do a Boolean uh, preference, which would be stored, you know, and default to to true. So like first run, default true. Then when I check my app at startup, I say, is it the first run? If so, display this thing and then set it to false, Uh, which I think is fine. But Xamarin Essentials um, can save that preferences for you, but it has version tracking built in, which is really neat. And the version tracking, you do have to say, you know, version tracking dot track. Um, but once you do that, you can check to say, 
is first launch ever is first launch for current version is first launch for current build. You can also look at all of the versions that the user has installed. So you could say, Hey, you know, did they have version one and now we're on version two. So then display this type of pop-up. So it's very quick to the point, little blog post, but it, it helps you. Um, kind of use some of those great built-in APIs. It's like, oh, version tracking. That's cool that it's built in, but what would I ever use it for? Well, here is what you use it for. Great. Nice. Great. Yeah. yeah, and actually that version tracking API, I didn't know about it. Sorry about that, James. It was mm-hmm. a new-to-me API. And I always did it the way that you mentioned before, by just by yeah. using the preferences, setting a Boolean, and checking it at every time. But that does lead you down the road where you can check for new versions. And if you yeah. wanted to do a pop-up and say, what's new? Yeah, that API, the version tracking was, oh my, it was ported from one of our um, customer success engineers who at Xamarin that had built a library to do it. And then Matthew Leibowitz, uh, he looked at the API and he's like, wow, I could just do this entire API all 100% shared because it just you, it uses Xamarin Essentials to grab the information from shared code. It's, it's very meta. It's like the most meta API. It's an API that uses other APIs, which then internalizes, uses another API to save it, which is very crazy. So it's like version API uses app info, which then goes back up and then saves it into preferences. So it is using preferences, but like it, it it's just a combination of all the different APIs. It's beautiful to create this beautiful cross-platform thing basically <laughs> so it's kind of crazy so <laughs> the important part is is that developers just have to know one api do you say one api yeah one, one API. line of code one api yeah so it's beautiful give it a look and uh another great great blog post and actually this is a master class it was written by our, our good friend john peppers and we're, i'm going to call him start calling him professor peppers after this <laughs> after this one and it's about prof- profiling androids or xamarin android startups and this post, it's a little bit, it's a little bit on the long side, but it's definitely worth a read. And uh, it's all about, as I mentioned, Android startup and how you can make things better. And it really, John, Jonathan goes deep into this, it follows step by step on what you need to do. And essentially, you can sum it all up in that you measure, change, measure again. And that's how you go through and make performance better. But what he does is give you tips and tricks on how to go about doing that measurement and some things that you might want to might want to change. And so what what I thought was funny, initially the first thing we do that he goes through and does it in, in addition to showing up how to set up um like logcat and finding out the information is that we went from um going turning on startup tracing hmm. and it, that made a big difference. I mean I think trying to look at the numbers here, I think ah uh, like 800 milliseconds down to 400 milliseconds wow. with startup tracing put on. Oh, and, and another huge one is going from debug mode to release mode, yeah. two and a half seconds down to 800 milliseconds. Yeah. Release mode, <laughs> of course. But uh, yeah, we go through and like he even talks about using um, like the mono, they, when we start wanting to debug our .NET, our C-sharp code, using the mono profiler to get down and start looking at that type of stuff. And uh, he even makes up some certain, um, I guess, like mock problems to show like um, when you're bundle, you're on create or your activities on create method and like 
figure out you know what's going on here to help you walk through everything. So it's really it's in depth. Um, and at the end, I think he does a little mic drop. Uh, no, he doesn't. But yeah, it's this is super great, and it's definitely worth a read. And it's yeah, bookmark it because you're going to want to go back to it many many times. Yeah, it's super good. And in fact, I'm pretty. Um, I'm doing a bunch of things wrong in my apps, I think here too. So like one example is he was talking about, you know, doing HTTP requests and doing get string versus get stream, which do the same thing at the end of the day, um, and, and measuring and looking through it and just seeing what works well, what doesn't work well for objects versus strings and what needs to be created. So it's, it's, it's good. And the conclusion I like is he goes, performance is hard, you know yeah. what I mean? And because the framework by itself can be super performant, but you know, slow code is slow code. Matt. Yep. So, um, well, something that's not slow and super fast is Xamarin Form Shell. I love Shell because I love that it simplifies my code, still super speedy and performant, and does a bunch of cool things. And I've been writing a series of quick tips. Uh, and this month it is modal navigation. Uh, I've previously talked about how to go back easily, how to navigate and pass parameters. This one is, hey, how do I do modals? Um, you know, because before I had a, you know, present modal or whatever, you know, or, you know, whatever the, the navigation API calls, there was literally two. One was to navigate and one was to navigate modally. And now there's only one API, which is go to async. So how do I do it? Well, in this blog post, I walk you through the single simple property presentation mode that gives you everything that you need with a single line of code in your XAML or C-sharp or F-sharp code behind, and you're good to go. It's nice. It animates automatically for you, and you're done. And you can use then the go back, dot, dot, like I previously talked about, to go backwards. And I love very short to the point blog posts. I don't know why. Because <laughs> so. they're quick to write. That's why. I did write it very quick. But, you know, it's one of those questions where, where you know, the, one of those things where I get that question and... I've always thought about it as like, I could, you know, answer every single person individually or write a blog post on it. You know, I, obviously, obviously there's documentation, like this isn't new, but sometimes when there's a sea of documentation, when you just want to Google something, boom, there it is for you. That's yep. hopefully the plan. Yeah. Yep. No, that's, this actually is super nice because when you're going through, just like, all right, go to async. Well, that's not how the old navigation did it. You, you can't, you know, mm. as there's a little cognitive missing there, but once you see it, it's like, oh yeah, of course. So yeah, that's that's a great post, and and you're right, SEO is everything. So, <laughs> so let's move on to some cloud news. What do you think, James? I love clouds and I love news. We love some Azure, and um, one thing I wanted to talk about here is Azure Functions. We were talking just before the show about Azure Functions, and then not coding everything in to Azure Functions. Now, when I say coding, I mean configuration stuff. And we kind of talked about this last show, I think, or the show before with um, app configuration, but I'm not going to talk about app configuration now. I'm going to talk about identities. So how could we make like an Azure Function talk to storage, Azure Storage? How can you do that easily? Managed identities. Now, mm. have we mentioned this before? I couldn't figure out if we did or not. I might have. We always talk uh -huh. about identity. I don't know, maybe, possibly. Hard to say. Hard to say. So what a managed identity is, is you can kind of think of it as a identity of your 
application within your Azure AD instance. So that you're giving your Azure function an identity just like you do. So it's like it's already logged in then once you turn on ma- manage identities. Ooh. And then you can go over to like the storage service and say, all right, I'm giving this application here permission to do whatever it needs to. That way it kind of has like this implicit trust to it. And then you don't have to have any any connection strings or anything like that hard-coded or even in the configuration files because Azure Storage already trusts it because they're both part of your Active Directory of Azure, your Azure AD. They know each other. They trust each other. They're best friends, and they're going to share. Ah, I like that. In fact, you know, I think that that's what we do for some of the .NET websites. So we have this thing. Where if you go into if you go into Visual Studio, I've never seen it before. You go to t- Visual Studio, and I think you type in a tools options and you do like Azure, and then there's Azure Service Authentication, and under account selection, you can pick an Azure account, and then like somehow the server like Visual Studio knows that you're logged in, but you're like talking to like this backend, which means you can debug it against it, and you're already logged in. Is that the same thing? Is it different? I have no idea. What I'm doing I have no idea. I've never seen it before on that it's side. It's amazing. <laughs> but I bet and you, it's, I think, I think it's similar. I think I, it's maybe like the first step before this thing happened. Yeah. I bet you it's very, very similar because you have to be logged in and, yeah. uh, your Azure function kind of like is implicitly logged in. And mm. so, so when visual studio, I'm sure you're logged in and you know, kind of implicitly logged in and yeah. Amazing. Done. Anyways, yeah, it's a great way to give your, and it can work for Azure Functions, App Service, or anything else, you know, that you need different services to trust each other. And yeah, you just set that up in a RBAC, a role-based access control. Away you go. There you go. Nice, short, and sweet. No yep. one knows what any of that, any of those things mean, but yes, it's awesome. <laughs> and that's why we'll include a link to a nice blog post that explains it all. Beautiful. When it's written down, it doesn't go away. That's true. (laughs) All right. And I will admit I am no good at designing NoSQL databases. Hmm. How good are you, James? Are you familiar with No? I mean, everybody kind of knows NoSQL, but I mean, what's your comfort level? You know, I always thought like it just meant that you didn't need to think about design. (laughs) because <laughs> you know i mean it, it has it has no sequels i'm like well i know sequel i know it but apparently this is no sequels so i don't even got to worry about it it's just right. does it throw it all into one thing boom forget about it <laughs> so yeah there, there is you know differences on how to design a good performant no sequel database as opposed to relational and so that's where at least personally me that's where i come from is a nice relational background where you have one table and let's say it's a person table and that person's going to have an address. Well, you put that address in a different table and then they're related somehow, whether there's just one primary or one foreign key, or you have another table with a bunch of foreign keys in it that relates them for many to many. It's table based. You have just a bunch of different tables to model data. No sequels, completely different. It's like this whole brain weirdness going on this cognitive (laughs) thing where you you have to travel to get to it and the reason i bring all this up is because cosmos db one of my favorite things is no sequel ah yes yeah correct and uh, (laughs) so there's actually um one of the one of the people on the team went ahead and wrote a couple blog posts on understanding 
moving from a relational background and understanding NoSQL for relational database folks. So it just kind of helps you move. And there's even videos linked to in these posts that move from the relational world and understand it in the NoSQL world. So it's, it's kind of, it's helpful. And, um, it just kind of helps you over that mental hurdle of everything. Yeah. Very cool. And I would try to read that and I would try to explain it, but I would get it all wrong. And then I confuse everybody even more. (laughs) Yeah. That's what happens when I try to talk about databases ever about anything. It's just confusing. I mean, I, I have my, my roots way, way, way back when I used to be like certified Oracle. I mean, I can't even write PL SQL anymore, but I used to, I mean, that's where I came from, like Oracle DBA type stuff. But um, yeah, so I understand relational just fine, but NoSQL, yeah, yeah, a little bit, but I wouldn't put myself in an expert mode, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe I need to go take a Microsoft Learn There you go. <laughs> it's free. <laughs> it's free. I like that. I like free things. I've heard it's free. Yep. Uh, well, what is your Azure service of the month? We're always learning about new things. And I, I don't think you've, you know, you've only talked about a few, so that can't, can't be the ones you talked about today. What are, what do you got for us this month? <laughs> Way to set me up for not talking one, but I'm going to mention it anyway. Managed identities. <laughs> it has to be managed identities. I already said this a couple of months ago. I'm always going to pick something from the cloud news and make it my mm-hmm. Azure service of the month. And That's it's, true. Yeah, I did. You know, it makes me lazy. But it's going to be managed. What did I say last month? I'm, now I'm kind of going way off to- topic here. I think I said Azure last, App Configuration. Was, no, that's what it was. But I thought we were going to say something else. That, uh, it doesn't matter. All right. Back to it. Managed <laughs> Identities, which yes. kind of comes from Azure Active Directory. So maybe Azure Active Directory? No, that's way too big. Managed <laughs> Identities. So, Yeah. Make all your service, give them a managed identity. You can just trust them and they go right into Key Vault too. Maybe that's what it was. Anyway. Oh, you love Key Vault. I love yeah. myself some Key Vault, all security. So let's <laughs> let's talk about this now. Let's say you do need to get some secrets out of Key Vault, right? So what, what is Key Vault? It's a way to keep your secrets and encrypt some. You can even merge them, a bunch of that. Almost like my Azure service of the month for next month. I'll write it down. <laughs> anyway. All right. So let's say you have some secrets in Key Vault. Right. It's mm-hmm. like your super secret password, you know, yep. James's, you know, whatever you need to do to get one of those surface duos from up. You have that in Key Vault. Your app, it's it's encrypted and it's going to you can even make Key Vault expire that after a while. So it's only good until the end of September. Mm, super wow. neat. However, neat. for your Azure function or your Azure app service, you can get at that Key Vault. Super easy by creating a managed identity, which is like making your app service a real person. And then over in Key Vault, you can say, I want to give this app, which is like a person, access to this secret. That's cool. I like that. That's neato. Yeah. And then James is sending you a Surface Duo. Boom. I love it. Well, that's your service of the month. Well, I got two pick of the pods. I'll go first. You'll go second. I'll go third. Here we go. My first pick of the pod is... The Microsoft Editor extension for Chrome and Edge. Do you know about this thing? Do you know about this thing? This is brand new to me. It's good. Oh, my gosh. Well, you know, like when you edit a Word doc, have you ever edited a Word document? Uh, Once or twice. So you know how you um, type words and then you have all these typos and then Word is like, hey, you know, here's how I'm going to fix that for you, you know? 
you know that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's that's a new thing. They've sort of abstracted this engine into editor. And in fact, when you're in Word, you're in Word right now, there's an editor button. And, and it'll tell you like an editor score, grammar, corrections, refinements. It does all of the stuff. So it's not just spell cor- correction. It's sort of how readable is this thing? Are there similarities? Are there uncommon words that I'm using? Is there a bunch of shenanigans like, you know, inside of it? It brings it to the browser and any page in which you're entering text. And this is beautiful for GitHub because when you are writing a markdown file, in GitHub, or maybe you're in your ghost blog or in some other blog format, there's all these typos. And what if you just had the same beautiful support of, you know, Word, but just in the browser on anything, it's all right there for you. And boom, it's just awesome. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Our podcast agenda here is getting a 69% editor score. Nice. We can do better. We can do better. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And I do use this. I didn't know I was using it, but yeah, it kind of pops up with some, um, squigglies to help you do things better as well as you go and kind of go off of this. And I'm going to try it for this podcast because whether people know this or it might be news is that we also um, transcribe the podcast to make it more uh, accessible. And one of the things that as we transcribe it, obviously just like James said, this Matt says that, and we go through a service to do it. James, did you know that word has that capabilities now? Oh, really? No way. Yeah, I, I'm not sure where I read it. I think I read it on uh, The Verge. And so I'm going to try that out with this podcast to see how it does. So you just upload a file. I think it's underneath the dictation, underneath dictate. And um, yeah, you can upload it and away it goes. So I'm not sure if it's like on a preview release or something like that. But yeah, hmm. going to try it. So I'm not sure. Amazing. If, yeah, if you need to use the desktop version or if it works on the web version, but huh, I'm excited to find because maybe I'll stop paying for services. <laughs> to do that. Nice. All right. Interesting. Huh. Transcribe. That was yeah. Transcribe. Oh my gosh, it's right here. Upload audio. 300 transcription upload minutes used this month. Oh my goodness. Well, give this a try. That's amazing. Is that your is that your pick of the pod? That should be. That's my that pick of the be. pod. Yeah. Pick of the pod. Pick of the pod. All right, you want my you want my other pick of the pod? Number three, hit me. Number three, Blazor. Just great. Wow. <laughs> You're wow. building a website. You should be doing it in Blazor. Uh, I've been doing some some work on the .NET website, which I'm very excited for. It'll be my pick of the pod for next month. Is the work that I've been doing with uh, Dan and John and Myra and everyone from the team. Super excited about some cool stuff that we're rolling out. But we've been um, taking you know, there's the .NET website. We're building a new portion of it, a new page. And Dan started rewriting it or just wrote it from scratch with Blazor, but he didn't rewrite the entire website in Blazor, just this one page. It's just like Xamarin forms, like embedding into a native app, like, but you can take Blazor and you can use Blazor for just like part of your ASP.NET Core website. Like it doesn't have to be the whole thing. This is a revelation to, to me. Frank and I just did a whole podcast on Blazor, mergeconflict.fm, boom, show plug. But like, um, I didn't know that. I didn't get that. I thought it was like all or nothing, you know, but it's really neat. And I think as a Xamarin Forms developer and a XAML developer and a UWP developer and a WPF developer, as you know, all the things before that in the XAML world, um, coming over to Razor pages with the Blazor syntax and the stuff is really easy to get into. CSS, that's hard, but I'm not a web developer. 
but you know, getting the data, putting it in something is, is pretty cool. So, um, it's not like Blazor's brand new, but it's still my pick of the pod because I finally, you know, started using it. So there you go. I haven't used it yet. I'll be honest. I was a little bit intimidated by it. Anything on the web is like, oh, it's beyond me. But I was glad to hear that you like it, James. I'll have to give it a shot. And I had no yeah. idea about that embedding. That's, you can only yeah. do That's cool. It's so cool. Yeah. So if you already have a website and you're like, oh, okay, well, I want to use some Blazor, but you probably thought you had to like throw away and rewrite your entire website. Nope. That, that'd be incorrect. That'd be wrong. So yeah, it's awesome. That's sweet. These are three great pick of the pods. Pick of the pods. Might be the best ever. And next next month, I'm going to have a really good one too. Actually, people might know about it before our next podcast, but it's going to be a good one, James. Super I'm good one. I'm excited yep. about it. All right. I think that's going to do it for this week's, this month's, I don't know, what year, day is it? Who knows? Um, happy September, everybody. I think it's going to do it for this week's Xamarin Podcast. You can go to XamarinPodcast.com. That's a website on the internet, XamarinPodcast.com. You can subscribe on your favorite podcast player. You can tell your friends about this podcast. Hey, you're on a development team. Got other friends. Maybe in the downtown world. Say, hey, check out this podcast. It's not a big commitment. 30 minutes every month. Come on now. You got time for that? It's cutting the grass outside. No? It's almost winter, at least in the Northern Hemisphere. Well, if you're in the Southern Hemisphere, you're almost starting to cut the grass right now. And you can do that right now. No, it's, yeah, just go check it out. Also, you can hit us up on a Twitter. Um, either well, we don't check the Zimmer podcast Twitter, so don't, don't mean us there. <laughs> but at James Matt to Magno at Code Mill Matt, you can of course find that at XamarinPodcast.com. So until next time, this has been your Xamarin Podcast. 